with God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be your people. God, we thank you that you are king and that you reign and that you rule and that you are victorious and that you are good. And even in the midst of our brokenness and when we grow faint and weary and tired, Lord God, you remain strong. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are working, Lord, uh, here in the mill. You're working in our city. You're working in our generation. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue a great work in each one of us. You would continue a great work in our church and in this city. God, we pray that you would do a great thing in our generation. And God, we don't want to give up, slow down, recant. We don't want, Lord Jesus, to see you work with all of our heart. And so, Lord, have your way tonight. God, we ask that you would even take, as we uh, look through the scriptures, Lord, that you would cause it to come alive, that it would not be just words on a page for another era, but, Lord God, it would be for this moment and for our future, and that, would, that, that, that the written word would come alive in our hearts, Jesus. We love you, and the whole mill shouted, amen. amen. Yesterday, I had the privilege and the great opportunity to take uh, my family swimming, and that's a fun thing right now. We have uh, Dawson, my son is three, Olivia is two, and Adeline... Uh, we call her Addie because it rhymes with daddy, uh, is seven months. And so we took all three of them uh, swimming yesterday. And uh, my son Dawson said, hey, daddy, let's go in the deep end, which was really cool because that's about four feet deep or so. Uh, and, and so to him, it was, de- it was deep. And when we got there, there's a little basketball goal over there. And so uh, I got a basketball and I was just going to, you know, shoot some hoops with my three-year-old son. And... Uh, and so, you know, I, I would take him and I was, you know, I'd set him up there and then he'd dunk it and then, it, you know, it felt really cool until these uh, little like nine-year-olds who look like, you know, Goliath and his brothers to my son Dawson showed up and they, uh, they challenged us to a game, which was, you know, kind of innocent and sweet. And so I said yes. And so it was five on two. It was five nine-year-olds against my three-year-old son and me. Well, that started off really sweet. You know, I was just kind of, nah, hi, what's your name? Yeah, I know I'm a pastor, so I got to, you know, hey, you never know. You know, hey, hi, bless you. All right. Yeah, good shot, buddy. You know, that kind of thing. And, oh, that was cute. Almost, you know, that kind of thing. I started off real sweet. My wife was watching off in the distance and, uh, and, and, and it got started just kind of grew a little bit more competitive. I, I, they started passing the ball and trying to get down, you know, down low to their, this kind of pivotal guy, you know, their postman. He was probably just barely over four feet, but, uh, but he kind of became their big guy. And, and, so, and so anyway, I started moving all the way around with holding my son Dawson because he couldn't touch. And, and, and before too long, I found myself kind of riled up. And so the little kids would go to shoot and I would throw my son up to block it. <laughs> reach down, grab the ball, take it back, hold Dawson up and he would dunk it over the eight-year-old and I would go Rah! like that. And... Within about seven minutes, I found myself screaming at nine-year-olds saying, in your face, you know, kind of stuff. Now, (laughs) I know that most of that is just built up pressure from my lack of success in my earlier years, but... It was a fantastic moment. And, and, and I don't know if, if you've noticed this, but is it not surprising when you get down to it, how, how many of us have this desire to win? To be competitive, I, I know 
most all of the men and, and, and many of the ladies kind of have an amen in your heart right there. I know that to be true of the mill because I've been to Ice Bowl many times. And um, when, you go to, when you go to Ice Bowl, aren't you sometimes in the middle of the football game and there's a whole lot of, um, let's call it energy going on. There's all kinds of uh, excitement riled up within people. And you're, 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 I, I've had moments at Ice Bowl where I'm going, am I saved? I want to win so bad. This guy, Jameson Miller, yeah, yeah. He gets pretty riled up. I mean, I, he's sanctified and all that in the furnace. But you should see him at Ice Bowl. I mean, pretty riled up. Why? We have this desire to win. I mean, we've had many times at our furnace uh, picnics and barbecues where where the, it often turns into a football game or basketball game and the, the, you know, many people are sitting over on the side watching guys get all enthusiastic and excited about a game that was supposed to be a sweet picnic. And before you know it, it's a competitive game. There's a lot of people that... And so I think for us, if you were to be honest, you have within you a desire to win. I do. And, and, and realistically, I don't know that it's just all bad. I'll never forget. I think, I, I think that a lot of times we want to win. Uh, when, we're, when we're winning a lot, we want to keep winning. When we're not winning, we want to win. I was in third grade soccer. We went 0-10. I was the star. And... Uh, <laughs> 0 and 10 means 0 wins, 10 losses. Our 11th game, we were the running rebels. Third grade, light blue t-shirts, Parks and Rec, Moscow, Idaho. And so, third grade, last game of the season, we're down, we're down by one goal. And in the closing minutes, I'm talking like two minutes left, we score a goal and tie the game, end the season with a tie. Great day. I kid you not, we had third graders nearly in tears with excitement that we tied a game. It was, it was fantastic. I would give examples of, you know, you know, that not just when we're losing a lot do we want to win, but even when we're winning a lot we want to win, but I have no, no examples to pull from, really. And so, but all of us have this desire. You do, I do. You have a, you have a desire to win. And unredeemed, unsanctified can drive you to some ugly places. But tonight I want to talk about where does it drive you as a redeemed Christian, as a Christ follower, as someone who said yes to Jesus and asked the Holy Spirit to fill you, and you are some, is it still bad? Or does it have the possibility to be good? Without a doubt, without a doubt we also have this hunger, this desire to, to look good, you know, to, to be radiant, to be good looking, to be beautiful, you know, you ladies do, I know some of you go, no, not me, I don't, yeah, you're a liar, and <laughs> I know my, 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 <laughs> some of the, <laughs> some of the girls are looking at the guys going, well, my boyfriend is more, yeah, I, you are a guy that wants to be beautiful, sometimes, you've seen it, you're a guy that wants to be radiant, you're a guy that wants to look good, if you're wearing girl pants, you're one of those, and... <laughs> I'm just saying, I just, I've just noticed. And so, um, how many men are wearing girl jeans these days? Anyway, that's up to you and the Lord. And, and um, I have no problem with it. And so, 
Uh, <laughs> I better get to the Bible quick. Um, but not just ladies. I mean, we all have this desire to be, to be good looking and to be... You know, my, my, my two-year-old daughter, Olivia, she is just precious to me. She's my darling. And she, she always gets her hair done every day. My wife puts it up in either pigtails or, you know, uh, ponytails or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and my, my two-year-old Olivia, she always walks up and she always wants me to comment on how pretty she looks once her hair is done. You know, she's just, she loves that. And so, daddy, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I just look at her and I go, oh, you're so beautiful. And then she just smiles and then she's okay for the day, right? You know, within us, you have a desire. I do, you do, you have a desire. You can't, I mean, you can't repent your way out of it. You want to look good. You just do. And so the question then becomes to me, what does that look like for redeemed people? Because I've known a lot of people that have gotten saved, said, I want to be like a radical, Jesus-loving, God-following person. And within them is still this desire. To, to be victorious. There's a desire. Tonight I want to talk about the way that you funnel, the way that you channel some of those desires. The way that that plays out and the way that you live. When you look at the way the church, the bride, the workmanship, the assembly, the army, all the metaphors around the people of God, Jesus' church, when you look at how this thing ends up for us, those that have said yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we've decided we're going to be followers of him. This thing doesn't end like just kind of dissipating, you know, into the future and summer, you know, it just kind of like is a dismal ending. No, when we, when we study the way our lives end up in God, it gives us great strength for now. It gives us great strength for tomorrow. Jesus talked a lot about the church. He talked a lot about his church. There's going to be a remnant of people that are going to be redeemed. I mean, as you said, I'm going to follow God. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Given a supernatural grace to choose holiness. To be bold. To proclaim the gospel. To overcome the temptation of the age. There will be a people that live that way. There will be a people that end up as overcomers. There's going to be a people that end up victorious. In fact, when we look at the way that Jesus talks about his church, it's not doom and gloom. It's rather thrilling, actually. Ephesians 5, I want to read this to you. Verse 25, husbands love your wives, Paul talking here, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Say holy. holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant, a radiant church, radiant church. He's going to present her to himself as a radiant church, a radiant church, a, a, a sad, depressing church. No, a radiant church, a, a, a church that gives off no light of Jesus. No, one that gives off bright light of Jesus, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, huh, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This looks interesting. You and I would look at that and we go, man, I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at the same church I'm looking at, if you're looking at the same people I'm looking at, a lot of times we could read something like that and say, I don't know. Good idea, Paul. 
But I don't know if it's reality. Holy, blameless, radiant, without spot or wrinkle. Uh, stain or wrinkle in IV. I don't know. I've been reading a book this week. It's new for me. And just kidding. It's um. <laughs> So many jokes that I'm not going to say. <laughs> it's called Unchristian, and, and this book is a recent study about our age group. It's about 16 to 29 year olds, and kind of their view right now on what the church looks like. And and and, and it's a good book. It's a good book that's talking about um, the great need for the church to be authentic and some of the th- things that we've done that we need to correct. It's 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 a church. It's a book that's actually really helping to love the bride to help us kind of correct ourselves a little bit. But I think that it's true with the things that it says that right now when we look at church, right now if you read it, it says that people your age are leaving the local church in droves. That right now there's a decrease of the amount of people your age attending church. So 20-somethings leaving the church. And I think it's probably, we look at the church and say, I don't know that it's radiant. I don't know that it's without spot or wrinkle. Come on now, the church that I'm looking at has, just go through them, hypocrites, theft, uh, whatever, whatever you, you've seen in the church. It's pretty easy to point out, actually. I think that our temptation then is to say, all right, well, maybe I should just bail. I'm mad at A, B, and C. I'm mad at this person. I'm mad at the way this program runs. I'm mad at the way this person left me out. I'm mad at the way that this, uh, this leader is. I'm mad at the way that this group was. I'm mad at the way this material that I read. I think this is heresy. And so, you know what? Forget all this. I'm out of here. And we're seeing it. It's, not, it's, just, it's just true. What we're looking at in our age group, this age group, is people leaving. So I want to just talk about the church tonight. I want to talk about you, the believer. You, the church. You, me, us. I want to talk about Jesus and how Jesus feels about his church. Y'all know this, we just read it, Ephesians 5. First, let's just say this, Jesus loves his church, doesn't he? I mean, when you think about the reality that there's, say, problems today, hypocrites. I think it's interesting just to look back at even the people with Jesus. I mean, when you look at the people that were with Jesus, it wasn't like Jesus picked a perfect tribe. I mean, under Jesus' nose was Judas, hello, hypocrite. Interesting. You got James and John, Arguing over who's going to be the top and the best. <laughs> a little competitive. <laughs> you got Peter. Kind of bombastic. I'll never deny you. Denies Jesus three times. It's not like we find perfect people even under Jesus' nose. Do we? And, and what does Jesus do? He looks at those guys and he's like, man, you pathetic suckers. I am so sick of you guys. No. Even in those days, we read in John 15, Jesus looks at me, says, the Father's loved me, so have I loved you. Actually, when you read Matthew 26, it says that Jesus looks at these guys and he goes, all of you are about to deny me. All of you are going to leave me. And right before he's talking about that you're all going to leave me, you're all going to deny me, he's looking in the eyes of weak, broken men and saying, I love you with the very love that exists in the heart of the Father for me. 
He looks at what's going to be the leaders of his church, the great apostles. Weak, broken guys that are actually going to leave him. Guys that are fighting over who's going to be the greatest. I mean, not perfect people. Looks at him. He loves them. He's filled with desire, passion, love. If we were to take it and look at Jesus today, and you were to begin to look at the landscape of church that you deal with, your small group, your friends, what you read, what you blog about. (laughs) Jesus loves his church. Jesus looks pretty normal people, pretty broken, like you and me. And he loves them. Jesus loves his church. You know what else is interesting about Jesus' church? His tribe? His people? It's getting stronger. It's getting stronger. I mean, just imagine. A group of disciples left him comes back he appears to them he tells them to go into all the world make disciples just looking at them go he says but wait wait in Jerusalem wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth Samaria and he goes just wait I I, I don't know bear with me I want you to just give me a little bit of liberty here but I'm beginning to think about I wonder what it's like for those that are in heaven to watch the church through time. You know? I mean, just think about, it, it starts off with some people in an upper room. And let's just, let's just, let's just pre- pretend conversation. Everybody raise your right hand. I'm Millite. Give thee, David, liberty to create madness. All right, just imagine with me. All right, there it is. There's the, there's the ticket. I, I want you to imagine Elijah and Moses just leaning over the balcony of heaven, watching church history. I mean, just watching it, you know? I don't know. They hang out together. Matthew 17, they come down, Mount of Transfiguration. They hang out with Jesus. I just think they're friends. I can't prove that, but I think that they're buddies. And I just picture them kind of like the two guys at the Muppets in the back, you know, talking about blah, blah, blah. You know, just like, I just... Just watching, kind of the old guys, you know. Moses, you know, he's the guy with the burning bush. And Elijah, he's the guy who calls down fire from heaven. You know, they both like fire. And so they're leaning over. And they're just watching, watching church history. Great cloud of witnesses. Two guys, I imagine them looking over. A handful of guys, Moses, up a room. Doesn't look too promising. Yeah, that's all right. It's the day of Pentecost. We're, Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit. It's going to be powerful. Yeah, what's he going to do? He's send tongues of fire. What's that? I don't know. All right, watch. <laughs> all right, that's cool. All right, that's cool. Who's, who's, who's preaching? Peter. Oh. <laughs> he wasn't too good with those servant girls, man. Yeah, just watch. Oh, boy, will come through. Well, that was awesome. Did you see that? 
3,000 people get added to their number in one day. That's a good day. Jesus likes conferences. Desperation, 2008. Just kidding. Little plug there. Moses, is it just me or is Rome on fire, fire and Nero is blaming the Christians? You know, he could start killing them. Yeah, he just might. Hope our little church survives. Peter and Paul are killed. Dude, I don't, I, I don't know. Will, will this little church survive? Hey, where's Jesus going? Oh, he's going to go talk to John. Why? Now John's on some island, kind of bored. There's no high pods. He's going to show him a little bit of heaven. Okay, there he goes. Jesus talking to John, revealing revelation. That's going to actually give strength to the believers one day when they, when they read it. Why don't they read it? Uh, they think it's weird. Yeah, but didn't Jesus just say, blessed, there's a spiritual blessing to everyone who reads Revelation? Yeah, 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 there is, but people, people are dumb. <laughs> You'd think that if Jesus said there's a blessing to everybody that reads Revelation, that's the first thing he said, blessed are all who read it. You'd think that they'd, they'd read it. Yeah, 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 they're scared because of seals and fire and stuff. Oh, if I ever go, I'm going to tell the people to read the book of Revelation. Anyway. Okay, so Jesus is back. Who's that guy? That's Polycarp. Dude, weird name. Yeah, he's a saint. Uh, that's cool. Related Pollyanna? No, no relation. Cool. <laughs> What's he doing? Well, they're going to burn him at the stake unless he denies Christ. He has to say, Caesar is Lord. What does he say? Oh, he said, I've followed Jesus for 86 years. I'll never deny him. Way to go, Polly. Nice job, buddy. Good, you know, this little church just might make it. Looks like there's a few saints, there's a few people that are following Christ no matter what. Oh man, look at that, that Constantine guy, and he scares me. I don't know what this is going to do. Yep, looks like the church is still going to make it. You're kidding me. What are, what, what are these saints doing? They're praying. Who's that guy? It's Bernard of Clairvaux. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, weird name. Mm-hmm. What's he doing? He's praying. Oh, these saints, these saints pray a lot. Yeah, it's awesome. Church is expanding, isn't it? Sure is. Who are those guys? Well, you know I had to throw this in. Those are the Moravians. What do they do? They pray. Oh, yeah, cool. 100 years. Wow. Wow, they're sending out people all over the world to expand the good news of Jesus all over to people that have never heard. That's cool. Who's that guy? It's another missionary. Who's that guy? Oh, that's another missionary. Who's that guy? Oh, that's a church planner. Oh, who's that guy? Well, wouldn't you know it? Look at this, Moses. Looks like the gospel's going around the world. Looks like people from all over are praying. Who's that cat? Oh, that guy's name's John Wesley. He's awesome. Yeah? Yeah, he's real tall. 5'3". And... <laughs> yeah. What's he doing? Yeah, he, he, he's riding horseback all over, preaching five times a day. Dude, man, there's... Look at that. He's starting a little movement called the Methodist. That's cool. Who's that cat? It's George Whitfield. He doesn't even need buildings. He just screams out in the open air. <laughs> Thousands get saved. Wow. Kind of like Acts 2. Exactly. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Looks like the church is expanding. Wow, that's cool. Hey, who, who, who's, who's, who's that guy? His name is Billy Graham. Yeah. He's filling up stadiums. Thousands and thousands coming to Jesus, starting little TV crusades. What's TV? I don't know. Oh. 
thousands and thousands are hearing the good news. And there's books being written. And there's churches starting all over. And man, those weak little, you know, guys up in the upper room are it's really expanded over the years. Yeah, it really has, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has. Wow. Who are those guys down there? Friday nights. That's the mill. Yeah. That's a thousand twenty-somethings filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and the life of God. They don't even need open air. They've got these new things called speaker systems. Whoa. <laughs> they really can use those for the gospel. Yeah, and they're using... The internet, uh uh-huh, oh yeah, they have real supernatural anointing, really, what is it, it's called Starbucks, it's right there, people in droves come to that service just for the coffee, really, yeah, it's true, that's the tribe of Jesus Christ, that's the tribe that's been expanding for the last 2,000 years. That's a tribe where there's more prayer, more buildings, more pastors trained, more people saved, more books written, more VeggieTale movies made than ever before. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Actually, the reality is, is that the church is actually getting pretty strong. Oh, yeah church is actually filled with a lot of people who really love God. Oh yeah. You know, the church today is actually filled with a lot of people that want to see every tongue, tribe, and nation reached. It really is. Today, 2008, estimation of about 101 million evangelicals. Roughly one-third of the planet claims to be Christian. We don't know what that looks like. Only the judgment seat. But as for now, it's only our job to go, whoa, Jesus, you told a few guys that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them and they would be their witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A witness is someone who talks about what they've seen and they've heard and they begin talking about what they've seen and they've heard and the church is doing pretty good. Yeah, church is doing really, really good. Yeah, but there's so many problems. Yeah, there's problems. There's problems There's been heresies. There's been hypocrites. There's been mean people. There's been ladies in in churches that are mad at little teenagers that say the wrong thing and they beat them down. Oh, sorry. And yeah. But the saints are marching on. But the church is growing. It's worshiping. It's going deeper in its faith. It's expanding No doubt about it, there's good days and bad days. There's people that you really resonate with and there's people that you don't. But you want to know the truth about the church? Church is marching on. The church is expanding. Jesus' church is not a wimpy church. His bride is not a wimpy bride. His army is not a wimpy army. His family is not a weeny, small, tiny, barely hanging on family. It's growing. It's going deeper. It's learning. It's standing on the shoulders of men and women in the past. It's you and me today. We have great opportunity today. See, the church doesn't end up defeated. The church ends up in victory. 
church doesn't end up depressed, culturally irrelevant, pathetic, prayerless, staring at the inside. No, the church ends up strong. You end up strong. You say, yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus and make choices every day and define for your own path if you'll be victorious. Revelation 19, let me read this to you, starting in verse six. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, hallelujah, for the Lord God almighty reigns. I like the verse that says, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns, the all-powerful one. You know, in the day, the Caesar, they would say, the Lord God Caesar reigns. I imagine John going, I'm going to put this one in there. Watch this, suckers. The Lord God almighty, the Lord God omnipotent, the one that I serve, he's the one that reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride Or you could say, and his church, and his people. I like to say his Jesus tribe, and his Jesus tribe. Those that have said yes, those that endured to the end, those that were found faithful, those that stayed the course, has made herself ready. Huh, what? Has made herself ready? Now this is interesting stuff. The wedding supper of the Lamb, there you are. There I am. There we are. Those who've said, yes, we're the redeemed. And we've made ourselves ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Now, this is interesting. Because God gives you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you say yes to what Jesus did on the cross, and he grants you an enabling grace to follow him. He gives you an enabling grace to choose righteousness. He gives you this. And so right here we have fine linen, bright and clean, was given for them to wear. There's something that God does. There's, there's a God work. There's the Holy Spirit. I mean, the, Jesus woos you. He calls you. He prepares you. You say yes. He gives you the Spirit. He gives you himself. I mean, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God gives you stuff. But it doesn't stop there, does it? No, you and I know that even when we say yes to Jesus, even after we've prayed the prayer, it's not just like, hey, our soul's locked in the vault of heaven until we marinate and die. No, the idea is, is that we have choices that we make every single day and you have the choice to choose righteousness. And you, and you actually are going to stand before a very real bridegroom one day. You're going to stand before the God of the ages and you're going to lock eyes with him and that's going to be a big moment. And right there it says... That the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Holy smokes. Your righteousness matters. Wait a minute. Do you mean the way that I carry out my 24 hours in a day? Uh Uh-huh. 168 hours a week? Uh Uh-huh. 365 days in a year? Uh Uh-huh. It matters? Uh Uh-huh. It matters. You mean the way... That I don't slander when someone says something negative about me. That matters. Yes, that matters. You mean the way that I turn off desperate housewives and turn on my, my Bible on my, tele, on my phone. That's better. Yeah, that's good. You mean that it matters when I push the girlfriend away and say, we're going to choose righteousness. That matters. Every righteous act, every cup of cold water that you offer, every single time that you turn off 
Facebook and say, oh God, do something in my life. It matters. Or every time you turn on Facebook and you start praying for everybody, it matters. Rather than flirting with them, you're praying for them. Oh, I like that. That's good. Let's make that a strategy. It matters. Your righteousness matters. And not only that, but you matter. No, 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 no. No, yes, you do. You go, yeah, 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 but I don't have the gifting of a Glenn Packham or Mitchell or Aaron Stone. I don't know. I don't know if I could. No, no, no. You matter. It says in Peter that literally we're made into living stones like that, like a spiritual house. It's like we're spiritual bricks. And if you're missing, we're weaker. We need as many bricks as possible. We need as many living stones, the life of God in them. Find your position on the wall. And you, as the redeemed church, you play a, a very, very intricate role. Your life, your, matter, your, your ministry matters. What you do matters. Who you are matters. The people that you either minister to or don't matters. The dollars that you spend on yourself or that you give away matters. Your decisions matter. Your prayers matter. You matter. The church is going to be a viable, dominant force. And you matter. You make a difference. Based upon if you say yes or if you go, no, forget that. I'm going to pursue the lusts of the age. Tie an intellectual knot of theology, of why I don't have to care, do my own thing, and probably suffer hell. Your choices matter. The way that you live your life matters. Can you imagine the privilege and the honor that it is when you stand before him? Ephesians 2.6 says that you're seated with him in heavenly places. Revelation 2 and 3 are over and over stories of to those that overcome. It's available for us to overcome. It's possible. Can you imagine what it's like one day to be on the winning team? Do you know that you, you can't divorce yourself from the fact that you want victory? I mean, you can't. You were made for victory. You know, one day the enemy is going to be thrown down forever and ever. You know, Revelation 20, it says that he's going to be thrown into the abyss down below the earth forever and ever. You know, I think it's interesting. Satan just is going to be on a descending pattern. First, he's the, you know, the angel up in heaven. Then he gets thrown down and becomes the prince of the air. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that he's the God of this age. But Revelation 20 says that he's going even further down. He'll be thrown into an abyss forever and ever. You know, it's the opposite for you. Your story is the opposite. You start off on earth. Then your bridegroom, Jesus, come and he meets you in the air. And then you ascend to sit with him, Ephesians 2, heavenly places forever. Do you know? Do you know who you are? Do you know who we are as the church? Do you know what is available to us because we're the church? Do you know where this thing's going? Do you know the victory that we have because of Christ? Do you know that when Jesus died on the cross and defeated sin and Satan forever and ever, and we say yes to who he is and what he did, and we're gonna follow him, do you know how victorious we, we become? Do you know how awesome God has enabled us to live in victory with him forever and ever? Do you know how this thing ends? Oh, it's awesome. It's so awesome. Look at this. This is so funny. Verse 10. 
So this is, uh, let's just go to verse 9. Then the angel said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. (laughs) John's like, I was just so like mesmerized by this whole thing. I just started worshiping the angel, you know. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now look at this, Jesus. Now this is not, when you read this, when I read this, I just want you to picture. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is not kind of just a sweet, long-haired, hippie-like guy (laughs) hanging out in a dress trying to be nice. I want you to, when I read this, I want you to know a present tense reality of a very real Jesus. Are you ready for this? This is the Jesus that you serve. Look at this. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. Faithful, faithful to you. He's faithful in the way that he deals with you. He's true to the end. There is no false in him. He is forever true. Sorry. Each one of these is like a little sermonette. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. I could just stop there. That is such an intriguing thing to me. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. What on earth is that name? I mean, can you imagine? I think that's one of the things you could take in your quiet time. God, tell me. I know that you said in Revelation that no one knows, but just you and me, I'm your favorite. Come on. I have a friend that did that once. All right. (laughs) He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. That keeps coming up. (laughs) Out of his mouth came a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Psalm 2, make that connection and pray that later. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This this is not some small, weak little guy trying to just do nice things. We're talking about the God of the ages who will rule and reign forever. And he's got a tattoo down his leg. I know, I know, I offended half of you. But come on, I mean, this is a tough guy going king of kings and lord i mean come on this is the guy that we serve forever and ever and he's no small god he is the god that rules and reigns and he has invited you to have a very real destiny in him he's invited me it's a part of i mean i'm telling you when you start going this you start going oh my goodness why why would i give in to the lust of the age why would i give in and constantly you know try to justify how i can do this sin and still stay saved you know how i have to go to this much church or have to pray this much no 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 no. you lose that whole mentality when you just get lost you go he is the god of the ages he rules and reigns forever and ever now i want to be with him forever his church is going to be victorious Woo! that's me count me in Jesus wins, Jesus wins, Jesus wins. I just love that idea. I just love that truth. I just want to so associate myself with Jesus that one day we can just look down at the devil and go, 
Na 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 na. Na 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 na. Hey. Why? Because he's the one that right now tempts you. He's the one that comes after you and he says, calm down. Chill out. Don't meditate on eternity. Don't meditate on your eternal reward in God. Define your life by your earthly production. Define your life by your earthly success. Define your life by your earthly appearance. Define your life by your earthly power. Not by Christ's. And how many, over time, slowly, methodically, give in. Life is mostly about what you can do in your strength and justifying why this sin is probably okay because so-and-so does it. Justifying why maybe I can still get into heaven if I just do this and spend my time mostly on me. Still go ahead and pursue sexual immorality, slander a bit, spend my time and my dollars on me. Do you hate the devil enough yet? Do you know? Do you know where that leads us? Do you know the victory that you have in Jesus? Do you know the victory that you possess because of who he is and what he did? And that he rules forever and ever and he's invited you to have a very real destiny with him forever. There's gonna be a remnant of people. An army, bride, family, a body. There's lots of metaphors that we read about in the scripture describing this tribe, but it's the Jesus tribe. It's the redeemed. It's those whose their, their whole lives consumed God. Every prayer, every thought, you're preparing for the day you stand before him. Every way you spend your morning, your afternoon, your evening, your night. And I know I know the temptation. I know the temptation is to try to justify lethargy because you see it in others. You say, surely I'm all right, because look at that. Anytime you go down that route and start comparing yourself to others, you're hosed. Because when you think you're doing better than them, you get prideful. You think you're doing worse, you get filled with shame. The only person we compare ourselves is is Jesus. We lock eyes with Jesus. We go, you know, when I look at Jesus, I always know he's always better. You don't ever look at him and go, I don't know. I think I got you in a couple areas. <laughs> no, when we stare in the face of Jesus, he's always better. He's always awesomer. He's always more radiant. He's always cooler. And we always go, I want to be more like him. And the temptation though, is to look at person next to you. Justify why you're at where you're at. After all, look at everybody else. Friends, you're the bride. You're the one that's going to sit with Jesus forever. The only person you stare at and compare yourself to is him. You lock eyes with him. You go, I want to be like you. I know I'm a long way off. I know I've got a long way to go. But I want to be 
like you. I want to look like you. I want to talk like you. That longing that you possess to be victorious, that sometimes in your unsanctified moments looks like competition, funnel it, get it redeemed, and start taking out the enemy. Get it redeemed and say, I'm going to stand as a victorious bride with God of the ages. He's going to look at him. I'm going to be victorious. So I want to look good. I'm going to be radiant. I'm going to shine bright the light of Jesus in this age and the next. Shine bright righteousness. The issue is not that you have those desires. How will you funnel them? How will you channel them? Will they be the redeemed? Or they will be your flesh side that pursues it the way that the world does and ends in death. I know it's hard. I know sometimes you look at the church and you go, she's not beautiful. She's not radiant. She's not blameless. She's not without spot or wrinkle. I see spots and wrinkles all over that girl. Well, you know what? We're not done yet, are we? Church is still growing. Probably about the gangly teenager, prepubescent, brace face phase about right now. A little awkward. But one day, you can just read about it. Jesus is going to look at his bride, you and me. She's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Let's stand. You stretch out your hands like this. I just want to pray for you. Mitchell, if you and the guys want to come on up. I just want to pray for you. Jesus, we want to endure to the end. We want to be found faithful. You are the one who is faithful and true. Would you help us? God, we want to be your church. We want to be an authentic church. In the midst of all of the present tense spot and wrinkles, God, we want to look toward a tomorrow where you're transforming us into the very image of God. The way we look like Christ. Jesus, we want to stand before you one day. We want to be wearing fine linen. We want righteousness to shine forth like the dawn. Jesus, we want it to be true of us. I just pray for those right now who feel weak, broken, bitter, tempted to give up, disillusioned because others have let them down. God, I pray for a divine strength in them right now. Holy Spirit, would you help them in this very moment? God, I pray for those who have given up on maturity. They've given up and just become content with a lackadaisical mentality. Pray that tonight you place new spiritual hunger that would be embedded into their spirit that they would ache yearn long for the righteousness of Jesus 
Oh, the good work that you started. And that we continue to live out day after day after day. We don't want to become weary. God, we want to stand as a victorious tribe. As a victorious family. As a victorious bride. We want to be it. Jesus, we love you. God, we love you. God, we love loving you. God, we love following you. It's the most exhilarating, thrilling way to live on planet Earth. And we don't want to ever stop. Help us. Let our eyes not be even on church. Our eyes on Jesus. Grant us faith. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.